Oh, oh, one more thing. And welcome to Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. And I'm John Morris. On this episode, we're discussing the Bye Bye Sky High IQ murder case. Originally broadcast on May 22nd, 1977, written by Robert Malcolm Young, directed by Sam Wanamaker, starring Theodore Bakel, Sorrel Book, a surprise appearance by Jamie Lee Curtis, a whole raft of 1970s character actors, and, of course... Peter Falk as Columbo. And each time we're joined by a special guest. Uh, this episode, it's Richard Massara, a comedian and podcaster. Uh, but before we bring him on, uh, John, what happened? Well, let me tell you, RJ. A Mensa-like society of weird nerds becomes the setting for murder. Revealed as an embezzler, sneering intellectual accountant Oliver Brandt assassinates his hyper-ticklish partner and punching bag, Bertie, played by Boss Hogg's Sorrel Book, in a manner befitting a blood-hungry Rube Goldberg. Concocting a murderous mousetrap game using a robot Victrola, a dictionary the size of a small Balkan state, and an umbrella full of squibs... <laughs> Hold on, umbrella full of squibs? That's my favorite song from Mary Poppins. There you go. Oliver commits the perfect murder... Or does he? No, he doesn't. Although he pretty much commits the Sesame Street pinball machine countdown segment of murders, leaving Columbo to answer <laughs> this brain teaser of death. Thank you, John. My and pleasure. welcome to the show. Uh, Richard, uh, Richard or Rich, which, which do you prefer? Uh, you can call me either, guys. Richard or Rich. Um, I'll, it'll depend which one I remember any given minute. That's um, fine. It's dealer's choice. Thank you uh, for uh, agreeing to the program. And also, I want to point out to folks, um, it, it currently, you, you've accommodated so much, it's it's 1 a.m. or so, thereabouts, yeah. where you yep. are. Um, you one in the morning. Yes, you, you have, uh, you're the first uh, guest we've had from uh, the U.K., uh, which leads me to the question, how did you come to Colombo, and is it because... You folks have always been able to have Columbo, whereas here in the U.S., it just kind of drops in and out of our lives like some crazy uh, deadbeat father every so often. Uh, well, I think uh, the main reason we've had a lot of Columbo in our lives, and he, he's never seemed to be too far from our TVs, is um, for a large period of uh, my life growing up, we had five TV channels. That mm. was it. Yeah, that's it. But, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, you couldn't really, you, you didn't really have satellite TV unless uh, you were, your family was slightly well off. Um, and they would buy up American shows and show them a lot uh, over mm -hmm. here. So when I was growing up as a teenager, I remember catching Columbo uh, a lot uh, uh, and being really fascinated and intrigued by it. And then for a few years, he drifted out of my life. And it was actually this episode Really? Which I, I remembered. I remembered the moment he, uh, the murderer puts the pen down in triumph and uh -huh. the arm knocks it off. And for some reason that stuck with me. And when I, when I uh, started watching it again, when I caught it again on TV, uh, I actually went out and looked for the DVDs and found, that found the DVD box sets and bought it specifically because of this episode. Wow. Because I, I was going to ask, like, because uh, I, you know, when we wanted you on the show, Asked like which one you wanted, and yeah, this was one of the ones that you had picked, and I was going to ask oh, why, and that was because well, there it, you go. It was, it, it was a tough, tough mm. choice. I mean, right. you'd, you'd already done my possibly my favorite, which is um, uh, oh, the murder of a rock star, of course, the uh, <laughs> Debbie <laughs> Coleman one. It's everyone's favorite. Oh yeah, no, any William Shatner episode oh, is my favorite. That ski mask he wears mm. just it, it made it it made it so joyous for me. Uh, and I wanted to do Troubled Waters because Columbo is right in there from the get-go. Right. But uh, this one holds a personal place in my heart, and then you started slagging it off on the last well, episode. Yes, I, actually, I want to address that. Uh, the last the last uh, program we uh, recorded uh, with uh, Gwen Inet, she brought this up. Is This is one of the ones in her uh, list at theavclub.com, like one of the best ones. And uh, when I saw this a little while back, I, I remembered... Uh, intensely, intensely disliking it, but I have to admit, uh, watching it the second time through for the for this uh, the podcast, 
I kind of I liked it. Actually, it was well, not I'm nearly as bad as I thought, and I kind of liked it. So yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I'll go further than that. That I I saw this a year and a half ago and hated it. And having wow. watched it twice for the episode, I now think it might be one of my favorite episodes. Wow! Ah, you see, that is a yeah. heck, that's a heck of a change. It you around. Ah, there you go. I think I think because there, there's a lovely uh, little soliloquy in there from Columbo about oh uh, at the end towards the end not yes. being smart. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful addition to the Columbo mythology. Well, why don't, why don't we start there? Uh, go into that a bit, which is almost were, the end. Please. But we sort of assume that you know, especially because we're fed a diet these days of um, uh, detectives who are supposed to be high on the autism scale and thus have secret magic mental powers. Yeah, uh, but we sort of assume that Columbo must have always been quite clever and was hiding it behind his rumpled appearance. But what we learn here is that, no, he's just a guy who is there to do the work. He understands one thing, and that's that if he reads the books, does the work, retraces his steps, and pays attention, that he's smart. Yeah. yeah. That he's the equivalent of people who are born smart. That is a fantastic addition. It is, yeah. Yeah, it rounds him out as a character a lot. Yeah, absolutely. To, to me, that, that, that was like the best part of the episode was that, pretty much. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's also a, a lovely bit in it you may not notice where he says um, that he's not always been the smartest uh, person. Smart people, uh, they do, it, he's talking about that, and he puts the cigar in his mouth the wrong way around and then quickly turns it around. <laughs> oh, I didn't I notice that. that. I didn't notice that. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. He goes, yeah, there's always been people smarter than me. Puts the cigar in the wrong way around and turns it off. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. I was, Absolutely I, missed that. That got me. Nice. One, one thing I wanted to tell you guys uh, about the, the British TV and watching Columbo is there are a few shows that we watch quite a lot of that you might be surprised by. For example, uh, I am a huge fan of Quincy. See, that's another one that just kind of, it just would show up, I guess, in afternoons, you yeah, know, over the years on independent Quincy. stations. I, I have not seen Quincy a ton of it. Like with the, with the, Jack Klugman. Right, right, yeah. yeah. The, the one Quincy episode here that kind of gets referenced a lot is the punk rock episode of Quincy, where they try to discover, like, uh, Los Angeles' punk rock scene because somebody dies in it. I think it's got the band X in it, maybe? Or Fear. Oh. It's either I, X I, or Fear. One of those two bands is in that. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like it's handled so ham-handedly. Oh, they handled that becomes so kind many of a things joke. badly in Quincy. Yeah. I mean, there's a running joke through every episode that Quincy constantly gets um, Sam's uh, country of origin wrong. Yeah, that's a weird correcting him. I'm yeah. Going, I, I'm Chinese, Quincy. It's like that's the most racist thing. You and, the show, and the show, and the show was on show. for such a long time. And yeah, it was. And that was know. that was one of those things in the '70s where they were portraying Klugman as a sex symbol too. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah, he, he don't he'd have he'd be getting up the ladies in that program. It's like, in the in the title yeah, Klugman. It looks like he's measuring out a dead body, but it's not. It's a oh, it's like something. Yes, I remember that now. Yes. His sex boat, John. His Jack, sex boat. Jack Klugman's sex boat. Yep. That is actually somehow uh, it managed to be creepier than uh, John's <laughs> that, theory of Columbo as a sex he's dad. A, he's got a cuddle canoe on it. He's got a four-play <laughs> dinghy. He's got a he's got a listening to your problems uh, raft. And it's actually a and he's got this giant uh, glass case you can break to let Tony Randall out. <laughs> Once in Does a he while. have a snuggle schooner as well? Oh, <laughs> I like snuggle schooner a lot. <laughs> now the the shows oh. that I understand, the American shows that I, I understand, are always on repeat over there. Uh-huh. Uh, Kojak, yeah, uh, yeah, that's on quite a lot. Really? And, uh, yeah, a and surpri- Sergeant- a surprising amount. Fascinating to me, especially now Sergeant we've Bilko. got Oops, oh, oh, Sergeant Bilko. Bilko. Yeah, Sergeant Bilko is one. That's one to me. That's a crime. That's a crime that that is not a more popular show here because yeah it is because the the performance oh. in Bilko is absolutely phenomenal absolutely and and the comedy in Bilko is genius and I it mean, ended it ended after three seasons in out that's it you got like three seasons of really good solid stuff and get, like you think that would be in regular rotation more than I Love Lucy or some junk like that but yeah that's 
I don't and, get it. And Phil Silvers, I, I feel, never really... Nothing ever was... Uh, no project he worked on was ever really as good as Bill Coe. No. Bill Coe showcases was, his talents greatly. Yeah, it was yeah. a weird thing with him. Um, uh, there's this great uh, d- um, biography of Nat Hyken that was written uh, about five, ten years ago. Uh, that really uh, goes into the Phil Silvers thing where he just never really worked with anybody else as well as he did with Nat Hyken and he just made a lot of poor choices and was just very kind of insecure about what he could do and so yeah he never did something exactly as good as that after it which is weird because that was like the early mid 50s and he had a, quite a while after that to not really live up to it somehow mm. but Columbo yeah, sorry. Get back to this. We'll save that for the uh, Sergeant Bilko podcast. <laughs> we'll start in early 2016. That's you not, joke, RJ. Yeah, I joke, but that would that would be an interesting thing to do. Uh, <laughs> so this episode, um, where where do you guys want to start with it? Then I mean, it, it's one that I guess wins people over on the second. Uh, kind I think of we pass can through. Yeah, we could talk a little more about how Columbo interacts with intelligence. Yes. And how how very people who are very aware of their own intelligence interact with him because that's the recurring theme of the episode. Yeah. Well, no. What? Yeah. I mean, because there's a thing like uh, once the murders happen, there's a odd uh, sequence where he's back at the Sigma Club, Sigma Society. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, uh, first a little aside that's a uh, reference to a past episode. Uh, if you're watching this, oh, yeah. their main room where they have their little meetings and everything, uh, the back wall, uh, the painting of Mrs. Melville. That was hanging in the office um, of the two fellows in uh, Murder by the Book, which we talked about last episode. And it's there. It somehow made its way to the Sigma Society headquarters. Of oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the, well, the old they, lady. Obviously, She's back the Sigma there. Society members would love Mrs. Melville because I'm she sure. was the greatest mystery character of all time, right? And, of course, they would also love uh, really smelly mice at the end of their bar. <laughs> which I didn't get. Like that's got to be the it's got to be the most unpleasant bar to sit at. Like ah, oh, sitting here, I'm uh, watching mice and uh, uh, smelling uh, damp, damp wood, damp wood uh, shavings. Surely it was the most unpleasant bar in the world just because of the people who were there. Well, yeah. Oh, oh God, the little lady. Are horrible, horrible people. Like, <laughs> I, which I mean, I guess that was the point. But still, oof. I know. They are also possibly the dumbest bunch of geniuses I've ever seen in my life. Well, you've got the lady who uh, thinks she's uh, drunk her own contact, contact lens. lens. You've got the guy who is the uh, two, the indignant toupee salesman from Seinfeld. Uh, you've got Kenneth Mars somehow cast in the most like this the the straightest most serious role of his career what a waste what a not waste of Kenneth Mars Kenneth Mars who's been in like uh, tons of Mel Brooks stuff playing goofy nope. things uh was he in and she Fletch. he was great in he and she the Richard Benjamin uh, oh, I've never Jack seen it. I've, I've never seen them in that oh you gotta see oh, wow. it I should uh but yeah this he's just kind of I mean, his character is actually kind of like a sad, tragic character. They have bring, yeah. they put him out there as like this depressed sort of. The thing is, he does it well, but it's just kind of yeah. like that's not the kind of thing you usually see that guy doing. And did anybody notice uh, the the blonde genius woman who drinks her own contact lens also says the sentence, "I think he was a woman" when she was talking about the killer. Oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Ah. It, it, it's it's the most stupid sentence I've ever heard a smart person say. Considering uh, what a bunch of rubes all those geniuses are, I do find it ironic that the killer used a Rube Goldberg device. Yes, nice. there you go. Nicely yeah, linked. Thank you. I've been I've been working on that one for a while. No, that's good. You well, you've got those uh, pages and pages of notes. You put a lot more thought into it than I did. The workshop that works. Also, John. Um, can I ask you uh, whether you agree with this theory? Um, do you think it's a sex club? <laughs> oh my I god! You know what? Like it could it be is the worst bar in the world. It would be the most uncomfortable sex club. <laughs> Caroline, would... the the computer baby, just sitting in a corner, mentally cataloging everybody's moles, defects, low hanging testicles. Oh dear! Sorrel book wait, periodically the... tickled. It's a family. This is a family podcast. If you imagine Sorrel book's birdie, his his laughter. Oh, is that's so just terrifying! Sort of disturbing. What would his orgasmic sounds be like? Yeah. Well, I think we heard them during the numerous tickle attacks he suffered. 
I think they would actually end up sounding like um, um, the, his uh, cop on Dukes of Hazard. You like gur, gur, gur. that's probably how it ended up sounding <laughs> somehow. The you know, cop on Dukes of Hazards. That's Roscoe P. Coulter. Yes, yeah, so I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, who, I, who just oh, yeah. James Best? God oh, bless Dave. him. Are you messing up your references? Yeah, I know it's <laughs> because the thing is, the reason I say that is, about the sex club is because when Columbo is talking to Brandt, he says, "What do you do here?" And he says, "Meet, discuss, enjoy each other's company." Yeah, that's weird. He doesn't mention tickle fights, which is a large no. part, apparently, of being a genius. That could have been an amazing way for him to uh, slip for the first time, which is to say, meet, enjoy each other's company, murder, murder. Yes, exactly. There you go. I mean, I mean. Uh, yeah, this is, this is one of the rules about if you have a genius character in a work of fiction, don't exhibit their genius. Don't show their brilliance because it always falls through and it always looks ridiculous. Well, see, I mean, but though in this, I, I thought it was interesting that as um, – uh, Brant is carrying like you see him set this like his methodically setting out how he's going to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. He's taking this this insane, creepy glee in it. Oh, yeah, just laughing at how smart he is, how clever he is at setting up this entire elaborate, way too clever murder scheme. Well, this is this is my first question: is do you think Oliver murders Bertie? Be solely because that his uh, his embezzlement has been discovered and Bertie is going to reveal him, or do you think he's murdering him just to prove he can pull off a really complicated murder? Oh, I think it's that. I think it's like a sixty. Yeah. I think it's like a sixty forty thing. And I think yeah. it's. I think it's mostly he just intimidated Bertie. Because yeah, no, he's he's already he he's already like a bullied Bertie for decades. Because there's a reference in dialogue to them having been together, like knowing each other mm-hmm. since school, since college. Um, so I think this, yeah, it's partially just the, the the exposure of his embezzlement, embezzlement of old late old rich ladies, by the way, which is a nice touch. I think it's kind of thrown out real quick. Um, yeah, like the, the exposure of his embezzlement, I think it's just an excuse for him to try to prove himself smarter than everybody else in the club. Because of mm-hmm. course he holds them in nothing but contempt. Oh yeah, he's which bored with the them end marvelously. And a great way to put that out there is just uh, kill one of them. Kill one of them while all the others are downstairs. I'm the smartest one here. It's like uh, the Hitchcock movie uh, Rope. You know, it's like yeah, we're, I'm, I'm superior to all of them. I can kill one of them, and I'll have no consequences. Yeah, yeah. There's guess, uh, for a man who's so for a man who's so smart, he does a remarkable amount of stupid things. Oh yes, of course. But if he didn't, we wouldn't have Columbo, but yes. Oh, that actually reminds me. Can you silence a revolver? That was... <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. No, that cannot. one seemed a bit strange. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the that was the studio. <laughs> I caught it was my wife and I were watching, and I, I described that as the Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip moment. <laughs> please, was, please expand on that, because I'd love I to hear that. Because that was them trying to show what a genius he was and making a huge error. Just like on that show, they used to show, try to show you how funny everybody was. And then the show and is so yeah, the sketch so show dull and so unfunny. Yeah. So yeah, he puts a silencer on a revolver, which doesn't work, and the rest of it might. But that's not but yeah, the, that part no, <laughs> no, not in the There's least. There's a distinct lack of police work going on from anybody other than Columbo. He how. How long do they wait until they check the chimney? Oh, yeah, you think that would be a thing, that they would go because up. Because I mean, he, he not only right. has the umbrella up there with the squibs like, in it, he also has the gun. Yeah, so it goes the to the next, and I think it goes to the, the next day. Room. Yeah, he's able to get it, go come in the next day and get it. So it's been at least I think it's you know, later than 14 that as well, hours because or he so. goes back and then he collects it and then he goes to the park and decides the best way to dispose of a murder weapon is in a public bin. Right. right. Yeah. Right in front of a cop. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't, he didn't expect the Columbo to stop by and start asking questions about uh, whether or not why they don't have female secretaries these days. Should we go into that a little bit? Because that was kind of a fun, odd, peculiar I just say, moment. That's, that's one of my favorite lines in the whole episode is when Columbo's having it explained to him how the young up-and-coming uh, male accountants are given secretary positions. What, what is that? Women's lib in there? Is that women's lib in there? Women's liberation, right. And then she, the, secre- the female secretary <coughs> explains it, and she ends with, 
girl type, type secretaries. secretaries. Yes, oh, that's such a great I've line. Oh. As well, John, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Did you <laughs> did you also notice the the office that girl type secretary is in has possibly one of the worst decors I've ever seen in my life. Oh, except for one useful thing, uh, decor wise, they've got there is uh, so Columbo is asking the uh, the young lady at the desk. Oh, can you tell me where Mister Brant's office is? Oh, it's over there. He turns around and it's like uh, like uh, twenty five feet from her desk. It's got Brant's name in giant letters on the door. Yeah. It's like, oh, that... <laughs> Columbo, Columbo... Perhaps that's his office. Columbo? Columbo, Columbo come on! Lady. Come he on! Oh, maybe that's it. Yes. He loves it. He flirts with three ladies in this, and one of them is distinctly underage. Which one? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Telling telling the, uh, the, the girl, the teen girl genius, she has a great... Uh, she looks great, but then she interprets it saying like, "Oh, no one's ever told me like me for my body." He didn't say what? that. No, he said no, he didn't creepy. say that. Creepy. That is that is creepy. Yeah. He didn't say that. It is. And Columbo really does this a lot, where he meets a young yes. girl and just has to yes. tell them how pretty they are. And I yes. know it's just him being a dad, but oh right. boy. Well, no, John, don't don't. You you say just being a dad, but your your theory about Columbo is him trying to be a sexy dad. So no, no, listen, don't separate uh, it. There's you can't have you can't have your cake and eat mean, it too. Being a sexy dad doesn't mean you're on the prowl all the time. You're yeah, just I know. Sexy dad. Still, come on. Yeah, because he with with her he's like an avuncular father, whereas with the blonde lady in the in the club where he meets George, oh that oh, club, he, he falls oh that whole situation. Yeah. Good lord, like what was that scene? That yeah, that lady that was lovely. She's a great drunk actress as well. Yes, and <laughs> not I don't not just drunk, but also worked over by Scientology and Est. I guess I don't know what it was because I was that what it was. I, she I was, was naming off all of these to, very strange. I have a list. Of oh, you have the list because she's because she names off all of these odd uh, mid to late seventies uh, self help things in California. And uh, John, please do. She, uh, she's tried Est, SLN, Primal Scream, Astral Projection, I'm Okay, You're Okay, A Black Mass in San Francisco, and she's still a target. I don't know what SLN is. Yes. Out of all of those, that's the only one I'm not, I don't know what that is. SLN uh, is a meditative school from Big Sur. Oh, okay. Uh, that, makes, that makes sense okay. then. That yeah. explains a lot. And she looks keep what... in mind that I... Uh, Keep in mind. Oh, sorry. Keep in mind that I was born in California in the 1970s, so this was my landscape. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> the thing is, too, she looked uh, stunningly like uh, Gillian Jacobs, oh. and seems like a character ah! she would have played <laughs> on a show a little bit. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Because when she showed up there, uh, my wife and I were like, oh, hey, that's, wow, she looks a lot like that, and it seems like, oh, she would play that now if you did that program. I, uh, I think RJ and I both fell for this. Richard, you can tell us if, if it happened to you, too. I think we both thought that Susie in the club was the same woman as the blonde girl who accidentally drank her contact lens. Yeah, briefly I thought it was her until like yes, my brain... Yes, yeah. I did as well. I did as well. Uh, but yeah, That would no. have been so good. It would have been, because it would have explained why it, she isn't as intelligent a genius as everybody else. Yeah, she's, she's a lush. Yeah, well, no, well, not just that. She's maybe still a target. Well, maybe is she's she, just... What is a not just that I she's don't a, understand that. Is this some crazy American thing? It, it could... Maybe she was involved with all this stuff. She was also involved briefly with the Manson family. Well, she, so they think there's just... Ritual <laughs> black magic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, yes. So that maybe that's it. There's, like, a whole <laughs> other, like, a book... Uh, by someone about this one lady who just shows up in this one scene in Colombo. Yeah. Can she we said, get a TV show about her? She was she was involved in so many terrible things in the the sixties and seventies in California. She was probably at Jonestown, but got out in time. Who yeah. knows? She's like she's like the Forrest Gump of tragedy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm, the like more a Sandra this, of yeah. The, <laughs> the more I'm thinking, this would make a great modern day dark sitcom. Is just a woman in 1970s California going through all of this terrible self-help stuff. She just happens. <laughs> she just happens to go to the wrong ones every single every time. time. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and ends up being married to David Miscavige and going missing forever. So who knows? <laughs> and know. and there's one other woman yeah. we haven't mentioned yet, and that is Brant's wife. Yeah, who, that's a weird. Right. She's that's cold. a weird thing. 
cold and but almost in a just ridiculously broad comic way. Yeah. And then he tells her flat out, well, I've been stealing great sums of money from my firm. So she's like, eh, well, too bad. I'm going to go buy some more stuff. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about it. Uh, It doesn't matter how much money you've been stealing so I can dress up like Lois Lane when Superman takes her flying. Right. (laughs) Did you notice that? That that, that nightgown she wears looks exactly like Lois Lane's from Superman I, I not only recognized that, I not only, uh, uh, that was not only familiar to me, I could also read her mind. Uh, hey, <laughs> day, 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 day. Thank you very much. Thank you. My All right, well, that's, this, that's the show, show for this week. We're going to... I'm saying that's the show for this week. We're going to... My favorite scene with her was he comes home uh, after the murder, slumps in his chair, she shows off her dress, he tells her that Bertie's dead, and within five seconds... Oh, she doesn't seconds, care! Yes! She go she's like, I'm not going to watch you just sit here and mourn. Let's go on vacation. Yeah. Let's go she shopping. Is Let's a go on vacation. <laughs> she is cold. That's a very cold. strange character. Not yeah. very... Um, uh, speaking of strange characters, the whole... Um, it's touched on a little bit, but they, they, uh, we talked about a little bit before, the male secretaries... The, the strange office politics that just kind Ooh, of yeah. we we scrape the surface of there between Alvin yeah. and George and their intense hatred for each other and but competition. Alvin is a grump. Good lord, <laughs> those he guys. Is, he is a Grinch. His heart needs to grow. Wait, wait, which, which, which one was Alvin? Was Alvin the one who uh, talks to one... Columbo, or no? Was that George? Uh, he's the one who um, who complains about not getting the promotion, and then, uh, oh, and then okay. uh, Brandt describes him as uh, something like an uncontrollable stench in his life. Right, yeah, yeah. But you know what? He he seems like he's less of a, a goddamn weasel than that George guy. Oh, George guy yeah, is. Jo- who, George uh, is a suck-up. Yes, exactly. George he's a guy, he's a guy in the bar, the club. Criminal. Yeah. He, he's a guy, it's like, he's like the guy in Animal House uh, who works for the... Um, a Nixon administration then goes to prison. <laughs> yes, That's he what he is. is. He's the jock in every revenge. Yes, of the there you go. Exactly. Yes. Because as soon as that that um, at the restaurant meeting that Jamie Lee Curtis is in, um, and also by the way, she Can steals that scene. Grumpy Lee Curtis. She <laughs> she she steals that scene. Utterly, utterly. It, it, it's like her. I, I, you look check in IMDb. That's her like third thing that uh, she's done. And she's she's great. She's very Out funny. Doesn't need to do much with it, but she just is very. It, it's like it's a character that should be played by someone uh, who's like thirty years older. But she yeah. nails that. Yeah. Angry. And she's up against uh, Peter Falk. And yes, that's a exactly. Really good start. And she you know? does. Yeah. yeah. And she does an amazing job with it. And, oh, but and, RJ, uh, just to loop this around, what's uh, what's Jamie Lee Curtis's first television role? Oh, uh, what is it? It's on Quincy. Thank you very much. Oh well, there oh, you go. Oh. Well, wow. there we go. Have to look that up. <laughs> the circle, the circle is complete. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, no. But the, the, this George guy, he's uh, talking to a uh, Columbo and uh, <laughs> just completely just uh, dropping the dime on Brant the entire time. But as soon as Brant shows up, he's like, "Oh, I, I was just telling uh, Columbo," about it. and they kind of covered up. But as soon as Columbo's gone, it's like it was Alvin. Alvin was going on. It's like, come on. The guy's he's a, a weasel. He's a huge he's weasel. A, he's, he's a snidey bastard. He is. He, he's a weasel who hangs out with uh, est chicks in bars. <laughs> that actually, we were and I were talking about this in mail earlier. The weirdest thing about those two scenes, about George in the disco, and then the immediately following scene of George in the restaurant, yeah, is they're not both necessary. You could have done no. absolutely everything in either one of them. Yeah, well, like the exposition could have happened in just there in the restaurant true but it is it is it does seem to be a trope in colombo that they add scenes to stretch time yeah i mean there is there is no other explanation for how long they take to explain the bags of gold (laughs) yes Uh, except to give let colombo eat some chocolate (laughs) <laughs> at the end which I is mean, a nice I, touch I mean RJ I know I know you haven't seen it yet but last salute to the Commodore no I have not your boundaries of Ugh. stretching out an explanation Ugh. to the very limit I'm not looking forward to that one from what I've heard I'm not looking forward to getting to that one but we it, uh, it's it's an interesting one I nearly picked it I nearly no, I know it. yeah 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 I know get it out the way for you, you told, yeah I know but yeah <laughs> 
Oh. But yeah, the, the, the bags of gold. Um, uh, John, I know, I know you had to stop it. And I did. I had to stop it to solve the solve the riddle. Oh, really? Yeah. When I, I first watched I, it, about a year and a half. I ago. can't stand riddles like that, so I just let it go. And I'm like, oh, all right, they're they're probably I, right. I don't care. I will feel like because I know first off, like in the continuity, Columbo took two days to answer this question. <laughs> if I had if I had not stopped watching it though, I would have only had about twenty minutes. And I wouldn't have gotten it because it did take me a couple hours to figure it out. And I would have been kicking myself for days. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. In continuity, in, the, in terms of the show, did it take him two days or did he make him think it took him two days? Well, probably. Because I, I, I think, I think it's Mrs. one of those Columbo things. Help solve it. I don't think so. I think it's one of those things where he's just still kind of, he does that thing, that ingratiating thing to make them underestimate. He probably yeah. had it off the bat. Yeah, because when they end, they end the episode on an only connect question and he. Uh, nails that one in like ten seconds, and it's an yeah. insane question. I had no, I'd never heard of a French leave. Yeah, no, I hadn't either. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so he probably he had that thing. I think he just strung it out. Can just I tell to you? Guy. Uh, this is an anecdote, but can I tell you my part of the reason I'm obsessed with with solving riddles is my own history with IQ tests. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, I'll try to make this as short as possible. I've had three IQ tests in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, all forced on me. When I was seven years old, I got my first one. Uh, I had to take another one when I was 11, and I took another one when I was 16. And the ones I took when I was seven and 16, those were fine. Those came out well. I'm very happy with those. The one I took when I was like 11, my, I swear was from the 50s. It was full of terminology. Well, there were a lot of questions about Eisenhower, which is weird. There were, just, there were questions using terms I'd never heard. There was one where it described a clock as being a Big Ben-style clock. Or, or, or referring to a record player, player as a Victrola. <laughs> but, like, what they meant was an analog clock. Oh. But they call it... That defense. is a strange... Yeah, that's a strange yeah, so way to do that. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. I did really poorly on that one. And here's the other reason I know it's a 1950s test. Because my score... They didn't, they didn't really give me my number score. I was just informed that I had scored subhuman. <laughs> Wait, What? <laughs> Subhuman? The, the list of possible scores were like genius, brilliant, normal, whatever. Then there was like subnormal. Then there was, uh, I believe, retarded was on there. Good and lord. Was, like, I think moron was one of the possibilities. <laughs> and this was one of the possibilities. Was one of the possibilities women as well? You scored the same as a woman. My god. It was like women and immigrants was one of the possibilities. <laughs> No, but I got my, my rating was subhuman. Like That's a dog. terrible. It was oh. awful. And I was 11 years old. And that was the worst day of my life I, for a long time. I, I actually have an anecdote to do with the bag of gold. Um, Go for it. Puzzle. You found a bag of gold one time and <laughs> couldn't weigh it. I, I, I was walking through Ireland one day and came across a leprechaun. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> After I got back into watching Columbo uh, properly, I watched this episode, and then that, that very Christmas, my mother buys rather fancy Christmas crackers. They don't always have jokes in. Sometimes they have logic puzzles in. Oh, no. You don't want that on Christmas Day. You want to open it up, you get your little crown and little toy, and you'd like, ah, everybody likes a joke, and that's it. Well, they, they, yeah, I know. They, they, You're a little tipsy they, and full of turkey by that point. Like, okay. Yeah. She likes she likes to do things a little bit differently sometimes. So she All tried right. something different, and it had logic puzzles like the one with the fox, the chicken, and the bag of corn going. Oh across the boy! Road. And Oof. the other one was the bags of gold. Oh, it was in there! Oh, my oh. God! I the answer because of Columbo. Oh, so, well, that's so great. My family to this day still think that I am a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> that's awesome! Fantastic! Uh, that television is wonderful. Yeah, people say television rots your brain. It's no. not true. I, I remember one time I true. was um, uh, I was a kid. Uh, I was probably like a junior high school or so. Uh, my parents had like a satellite dish, like one of those, not the little, like a digital ones, but like a big one back in like the 80s or 90s. And there was this one point during the summer, um, I could switch around and watch like four episodes of Dick Van Dyke show a day from like different parts of the country. So I would do that because I was a sad kid. So um, that sounds like an amazing childhood. Yeah, in retrospect, I don't know. But um, yeah, but I feel like if you could have watched four episodes of Dick Van Dyke a day 
sitting on a pile of bow ties, you would have been the happiest child in the world. Yeah, I, I, I probably would have been. But uh, I, I remember I was I was kind of sick. And I had this I had weird symptoms. My head was strange. I, I couldn't hear. it. And uh, we go to the doctor, and uh, you know they, they take test temperature. You know, something like that. It's like I said, I'm gonna get. Do I have a uh, inner ear infection? And I was like, Yeah. How did you know? Like a. I, there had been an episode of Dick and My Dyke Show where he had an inner ear infection and had the exact same symptoms. <laughs> and I was able to impress the doctor because of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Well, so. and, and See, it is. It's a good thing. Diagnosis murder, so it makes that's sense. Right. Oh, that's right, yes. That'll okay. be the podcast in 2017 once we're done with this one. I'd like to remind you that after diagnosis murder comes a prescription murder, which is... There you go. Oh, that's true. Which was the one he was in? It was double negative, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, Big that's right. Yes. Where he, where he very loosely ties up his wife and then shoots her. Right. <laughs> so the entire time okay insulting. Excellent beard. Yes, and insult, just insulting him right up to the point where he actually shoots her. Yeah. <laughs> nice <love> gun. <laughs> Got real oh, bullets we, in that. We wandered, we wandered very far away. I suppose so, yes. From the episode. Let's, yes. I have to play Let's Tom's get point. back to the episode because have you noticed the recurring theme of murders involving umbrellas? Especially on fill, your show. Fill us in. Well, th- 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 there's this one, and you guys uh, did um, oh, Dagger of the Mind. Oh, right! Yes! Right. Which, yeah. which, which not, only, fe- which not right. only features two Columbo tropes, one murder involving an umbrella, yep. and the, the whole crime being solved by the umbrella, yes. but also Columbo tampering with evidence. <laughs> right! Yes! That is he true. He steals that umbrella... Yeah, from from Brant's office or Brant's house. Well, I mean, yeah, accidentally. Well, he we're talks not about he, to collect evidence that way, but, but then he still anyway. has. But then he still has the lab guys test it. Yep, he just yep. kind of drops that it's, subtly, it's and it's like, oh, I, it was all in the up and up. It was an honest mistake. But I still had them test it. There's a lot of soot in it, and uh, there was uh, the the squibs in there. But anyway, yeah. But Years anyway. of watching Law and Order made me really want him to say the phrase "fruit of a poison tree." <laughs> Which is what they always say when they, they when they screw up the evidence chain in Law and Order. It's fruit of a poison tree. It's never a problem in Columbo, though. Never a problem. problem. How many times do you think? Yeah, this one it was a pretty Columbo bad killers thing, yeah. would have got off. Oh, every time. Oh, lots of times. Time. Yes. <laughs> he's I an still, amazing detective, but he's terrible. I wanted to do a thing like I did. We didn't do it this year. I had an idea um, to do it like a like a parody episode for April first of that uh, serial show. But it'd be like oh, one episode oh, of Serial, oh, yeah. but it'd be going back to like uh, covering some person who was stuck in prison, probably the George Hamilton episode, because of like a flimsy uh, investigation by this uh, cop in the LA police force. But still, he's in prison and his lawyer's trying to get him off and an appeal and everything. But yeah, didn't get to it this I, year. I, I, Maybe I, next I, year. Considering the, considering the fact that all of his. You know, all the killers he catches are, are, are rich. Uh, it's always in the upper echelons of society. Right. They are going to be lawyered up the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. They are going to have but, the best. I mean. But there, there are some that, that are much more solid. He, he builds up much more solid cases for some than others. And this one's pretty yeah. solid in that the guy knows he's revealed. And, and actually, I love that about this one. He does a very classic detective story just goading the guy into exposing himself. Yeah. Which I, which I, I thought I was good. I love the way Columbo does that to the killers, the way he, he will do these This one especially, though. This one especially, though. He gets Sorry? him going. This one especially, though, he gets him going so well. Oh, it's like yes. it's like one of the best examples of that I've seen on the show. Yes. But he that does, last, it, he does it all scene. the way through. Yeah. That last like, scene, whatever weaknesses the episode has, are all redeemed by the last like. I have to admit, yeah, I, I, really? as much yeah, as, as many problems I had with this episode, yeah, that last uh, sequence from when Brant comes into the ho- comes into the uh, Sigma Society building, and the music is playing upstairs and it's freaking him out like crazy. From that point until the end of it, it it's a very solid, very good episode. Yeah. Which yeah. reminds me, I did want to mention that Sergeant Burke was in this episode again. He's been in other ones, right? Because yes. I was he, looking that up. What other the ones only other one he's been in was in the Louis Jordan episode, Murder oh. Under Glass. Okay. Where we also commented on his excellent performance oh, in yeah. the, uh, the talking into Columbo's ear thing. Right, yes. Okay. They should have so, had him on more. Yeah, I think he was a good, he was a good, like... He a was good henchman, of, I guess, is a good way to put it, maybe. Sure. Better than uh, Bruce Kirby hating like, him. 
he's like Columbo's valet. Yes. <laughs> he, he's like he's the, the anti Bruce Kirby. <laughs> yeah. He's actually likes everything Columbo does. Yes, and... exactly. Bruce Kirby hates everything Columbo does. This guy uh, goes along with whatever the lieutenant yeah. wants. No he knows, problem. He, he, know, he knows the score. Speaking of um, p- uh, like performances by uh, policemen in this, um, when the murders happened and they're up in the, the, the police are up in the room and they call Brant up to work oh, yes. in the library. Yes, what I think I know. What is the nonchalant whistle yes. of the guy? That is so strange. He's <laughs> going out the door just as the weird, I'm just going to whistle, whistle, whistle. It was. It was literally like I the cleaned up a gave corpse, him, gave him a note, and just went. Yeah, if you could just leave nonchalantly. It was he, a weird moment. Nervous. It's very uncomfortable and odd. I don't get it. But it does ratchet up that tension. There's a couple of yeah. a couple of times where they enjoy doing that. Uh, like like just messing with the guy. The soot on his forehead. Right. right. Oh yes, that was great. Up and it's the sexy fourteen-year-old at the door, not. Super <laughs> oh, and, and she will now be known as the sexy fourteen-year-old. Oh dear. I guess this is a this is a good segue to mention that she is uh, twenty-two as yeah. of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is she? Yep. Yeah, the actress is much older in her than uh, fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> that, that makes it all fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's only pretending to be underage. It doesn't count. She's actually one of my one of the things I wanted to chat about was Oliver among everybody in the club, and he he mentioned having a lot of disdain for everybody in the club, but he seems to have a particular loathing for her. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And I was first off, I, I imagine Oliver was eventually going to kill everybody in that club. <laughs> oh, I love the thought of that. I'm sure he was going to, like, over the next two, three years, just wipe out the Sigma Society. Oh, that's that's 20,000 people. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes, they eventually methodically killed 20,000 people by uh, 1991. I mean, I'm up for it. But, Do you reckon uh, I, he would have been playing the music from Sesame Street that goes one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve? Looping it around the pinball machine. There you go. It was a callback. But I was trying to decide if that was just his general contempt for his his fellow intellectuals, or if that had something to if it had something to do with his speech at the end where he talks about never being able to reveal his intelligence, having a lonely mm. life because of his intelligence. Yeah. And she's very proud of how smart she is, and she won't shut oh, yeah. the hell up. Oh, that's a good oh, point. I think, yeah, you know what? Yeah. yeah, she might resent that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Oh. Kind of childhood he couldn't have. Oh. Because it, it does all of a sudden make him a lot more sympathetic than he's been at any point. Oh, I know, point. yeah, that last, that, last, that last sequence does a, a great deal. Like, you feel... I mean, he's a, he's a murdering, thieving bastard... But, yeah, it's like, oh, he's kind of had a lousy life, but how much it was his fault and how much... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't know. Mm. Well, we yeah, have that in... about the... Oh, no, please go Sorry, ahead. John. No, <laughs> I was just going to say, he talks about the painful, lonely years of childhood. Right. Yeah. And it's almost like Columbo uses his own ego and anger and, and, and his hatred towards the people around him to, to undermine him. I mean, Oh, yeah, no, he definitely does, yes. Because Columbo it, can like read that right away and use that against him. Yeah, it's yeah. like the Emperor trying to tempt Luke to the dark side. It's wonderful. Right. <laughs> you can almost feel Columbo going, yes, feel the anger yeah, yeah, yeah. rise inside you. Well, okay, uh, this one, uh, how early do you think uh, Columbo had it pegged that uh, mm. this was the guy? Because sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes it's not super obvious. I don't know, because Columbo says the re- it was the record player. They gave it away, right. but I, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't, don't the record. Play, I think it was. I, I almost think it went as. I, I think he maybe had an inkling, but I don't think it was maybe sure for him until the inadvertent umbrella, perhaps. I think it was uh, Oliver's explanation of the umbrella. Yeah, you see, because on its average day in California, oh, yes. it rained. That yeah. Oh, yeah. Columbo by the end of it is ready. Yeah. Yes, and I think it's, it's one thing. Like, Columbo very patient with him, very. Almost condescending, oh, but not yeah, entirely. So which he is, which he is with all of the geniuses that he encounters in this. Well, what's, bit. His, what's his great first line after he has the Sigma Society explained to him? Oh well, that clears oh. that up then. Well, he's, it? <laughs> he says, "I've been talking with the most intelligent people in the world." And I had no idea. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's wonderful. 
That bit, that bit where he uh, Brandt talks about the umbrella as well is just after the gun's been taken away, and it's interesting to see the way he he goes from that nervous he's stuffed a gun in a public bin, and then it's removed, and then all of a sudden he's he's confident again and a few to um, yeah. oh yeah yeah going on about the umbrella, which is ironic um, considering how much an umbrella is used in this episode. Uh, considering how little it rains in California. Yes, well, right. there's the, uh, the the raincoat thing too. Like you could say, yeah. About, and the one time, the one cover. time, rain, the Columbo doesn't have the raincoat. Yes, it's the one that, time it think. rains in California. That was entire that, series. That's a lovely touch. I yes. thought. because he's I always was, oh, with his raincoat. Yep. I forgot how much I loved the the timing of the thunder. That was it. Was weird, like some old. There was some old Frankenstein film, like some it old. Really, yeah. uh, the, not James Cowell. Who's who's the, uh, the the Whaley or what? What's what's James the, Whale? James, James Whale. Whale. Yes. Uh, no, the Frank Whaley Frankenstein films. That I don't know. But yeah, the James Whale Frankenstein films, where he would look up at the sky and you see like it, it's like stock footage from like some '30s horror film of the lightning going across the sky, which I thought was such a weird, strange choice there's actually there's a lot of weird visual stuff in this one that i was surprised at yeah, it's, it's it's definitely an odd one it's it's like not the best directed and it's sam wanamaker as well who um which he was like kind of like a kind of a more workman like uh, tv director stuff if i recall yeah, correctly who had to who had to leave because of the communist but he was blacklisted. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. Let me see. Yes. Yeah, he, oh. he was blacklisted. He came over to England, uh, where he had, uh, where, where his daughter is an actress. Um, she's been in the Harry Potter movies. She's been in a, a very long-running sitcom here on UK TV. Um, and my favourite fact I found out was um, in several episodes of a TV show over here, she played a crime writer called Ariadne Oliver. Uh, in episodes of Agatha Christie's Poirot. Oh, hmm. which well, actually, is a lovely he, little connection with Columbo because I find them both very similar. And he directed actually another Columbo episode in the uh, 1989, uh, one with Robert Foxworth and Andy Romano. We have not gotten to that one. I don't know who those oh, people are. What was that? Grand Deceptions. The head of a private paramilitary think tank whose embezzling funds murders a blackmailer. This. Seems familiar, but yes. Yeah, actually, yeah. If, if I remember right, it is pretty familiar to the Oh, uh, okay. Actually, I he mean, did a lot more acting than he did directing. He was in, oh, Super, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Well, that's... Yeah, well, I don't remember him, but... Goodness. Yeah, I'm assuming he must be. I, yeah, I yeah. think I've blocked that traumatic movie out. Of that's probably <laughs> for the best for everyone. I'm sorry <laughs> I said it, or else a DVD is going to just appear in the middle of my uh, my room here. Like, oh, no, it's that, yeah. It's like Candyman, if you say it too many times, <laughs> it'll it'll show up and force you to watch it. Um. So so overall, um, I know. I guess I can guess how you guys feel. Uh, we'll start with uh, Richard first. Uh, as Columbo goes, uh, where would you kind of rate this one? Good, pretty good, solid. I, I mean, how would you say it? it? Yeah, it's good. The ending makes up for it. I mean, it, mm. it's. Personal favorite of mine. It's not my all-time favorite. Uh, but there are far too many other amazing performances and amazing characters. And also, I, I'm not familiar with a lot of the other actors in it, uh, except for Jamie Lee Curtis. So it, it's good, and I just, I just love that moment at the end where he puts the pen down, the, the arrogance, the ha, and he puts the pen down, yes. and that's the moment so that catches him. Because there's not often that that a moment of triumph like that for right. the person. His own ego, his own arrogance gets. Uh, gets uh, I did think of some alternative titles for it. Oh, please, because this is a terrible, terrible, terrible title for an episode of television. So please, anything you <laughs> I know, have would be so much better. IQ I don't get why it's called this, but no, yes, they, they could have called it a deadly balance. Ah, good. Because I never understood why he had to draw the pencil mark on the dictionary. I think it was always there to begin with. Really? Yeah, I think so, because I think Columbo says, like, oh, there's a mark here for so people know that. I don't think he drew that. I think someone else in the past had drawn it. I don't. Th- I don't think he actually drew it. Okay, that, that's that's. I'm being I'm being generous in saying that, but yeah, I think I, that that's the impression I got from watching a couple of times. So I had uh, I had a deadly balance. Uh, I had uh, Rube Goldberg device of death. Nice, uh, nice. Uh, tickled to death. And <laughs> my oh, personal so favorite is spin, spin, bang, bang. 
<laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. That's much better. Yeah. That's much what I love. better than Bye Bye Sky High IQ Murder. Good I Lord. I, I, I like that Murder of a Rockstar better than that. The yeah. thing I dislike most about this episode is that strange song that plays at the beginning and the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I actually, I was going to look up what that was. Oh. It was something called. Oh God, what is it? Um, I wrote down like one of like the the chorus. Oh, what the hell was it? It was a really, really I like I don't know what song that is, but it's so creepy and un, yeah, unsettling. Which I exactly. guess that's kind of the point, but it's still it's not. It's not a good thing. Boo hoo! It's something boo hoo. I don't know what that mm. is. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's best left. Yeah, the, probably lost to time. If any of our listeners know what it is, please <laughs> do tell us so we won't listen to it and get creeped out in <laughs> nightmares again. Uh, John, uh, give us your thought. Well, I mean, we actually kind of know, but uh, tell us why it uh, ranks up there in one of your favorites. Well, I just want to say that I wasn't aware we were preparing bits, so I don't have any alternative titles. Oh, jeez. Uh, Whatever. Right, I, but, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the work. Um, yeah, it's literally the last 10 minutes saves up for it. But, you know, <clears throat> I guess this is something I should have mentioned earlier because it probably requires a lot of talk. But in a lot of ways, I felt like this was the, the Royal Tenenbaums of Columbo episodes. Really? Oh, you know what? As soon as you say that, I can kind of see what you mean. Yeah, because Royal Tenenbaums is so much about gifted youngsters and how unsupported by an emotional basis, those gifts go to waste. Yeah, and yeah, as yeah. adults, they become you know uh, uh, distant and drifting and strange. Right, yeah. And that's very much what happens to Oliver. And I think you know we don't know a lot about Birdie's backstory, but I bet But I think that's not. a safe bet. To say the same thing, yeah. Yeah. I bet I bet he's got a lot of bullying in his past, regardless of Oliver. I bet he has the same smart since birth and that's He doesn't I don't think I don't think Bertie even has like a wife at home who's spending all the money on clothes. Oh no, he doesn't have any clothes. Yeah, yeah. They mentioned that he has no Oh that's right, yes, he's got no one, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Brandt and his incredibly cold-hearted shopaholic wife is yes. all he has in his life. To be honest, he's probably Bizarre. better off dead. He spent his life getting bit. drunk, getting beaten in games of uh, pick a word from word the dictionary. Word in the dictionary? Wait, what and is getting that tickled. even? Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Will either of you ever forget the word Karina? No. No. No, and I won't me. forget both of its meanings either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As Little Miss Sexy Smarty Pants. Yeah, she Tell knows. Him. Desperately hoping that somebody mentions it in front of me so I can tell them what it means. Well, actually, you did, and just to, just to tell them how you know it too. Exactly, just be well. Show an episode character. of Columbo, like 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 you with the uh, the gold sack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, did you ever tell your family that's how you knew it, or you just kind of let it go? Like, oh, I just oh, figured oh, it oh, out. No, 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 I need to bask in the glory of. <laughs> <laughs> you don't tell one of them sees a rerun. Until one of them sees this episode, like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> he was well, running a con on us. Oh. <laughs> well, I will say, uh, uh, so yeah, like the last 10 minutes do a lot for this. I think the underlying theme of that kind of resentment and that, uh, how that just messes you up as an adult, was, I found really appealing and that the way it connected to Columbo's mythology and how it enhanced oh, yeah. Columbo's mythology with his own little story at the end. Oh, very much so. I'm ranking this one actually pretty high, probably about um, uh, eight uh, umbrellas used as evidence <laughs> on a scale of ten. Ten umbrellas used as evidence. Uh, I mean, it, it does get extra points for having uh, Columbo's bad driving causing a car to spin out. That's oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that bit. That was such a weird bit to Well, you know, that's in. the other thing. There's so much going on in this episode that it's – I even this whole hour, if we hadn't drifted off talking about Bilko and, and Quincy, we still wouldn't have gotten to everything because it's really you – know, Yeah, there's a lot. So you know what? Uh, we, we should say, folks, watch this one. It's yeah. – yeah. oh, and, 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 and I hate it when people say, you know, with some TV show – I like that, that, that dollhouse thing that uh, Joss Whedon did where people would say like, oh, well, you know, it sounds like you, you got to watch like the first uh, 28 episodes and then it gets good. <laughs> yeah. It's right. like, OK, but this one, if it doesn't catch you the first time around, yeah, give it another try. Yeah. And it, it definitely, well, it definitely, yes, I have to say so. This was, yes. I mean, it's not, it's not one of my favorites no. of all time, but it it, it is definitely uh, much, much better than... Uh, than it was the first time around. 
Yeah. Excellent. It's it's odd, it's strange. And yeah, that last uh, the last sequence is is very very good for both characters. Actually, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's it's really really good stuff. Um what I want to do now is uh, a couple episodes back, uh we asked folks um if they had any ideas for uh folks who had not ended up as murderers or playing murderers on Columbo back in the 70s or the 90s ones. And uh, if they had ideas for ones, they thought it would be pretty good. And we had uh, folks respond on Twitter. We had folks respond uh, via email. Uh, we had folks respond um, uh, comments on the website. And we're just going to go through a couple of those now because there are actually some good discussions. Uh, you, uh, Mr. Sara, uh, yours was Henry Winkler would have been a good yep. one, which, yes, yes. Yes. I think, I think yeah, totally. like in the 90s, 90s, 2000s, Henry yeah. Winkler would have been great as one of those. Um I could see him as that sort of um, uh, like the the gentleman in any old port in a storm, that kind of meek killer, the man who was driven. Oh, definitely, to kill yes, through, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's kind like of love and fear, accidental, like in the heat of the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah he would have been great very at that. Sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. No, he would be. He would be very good at that. Um, at Yojimbo Ringtone on Twitter, uh, yeah. responding yeah. to us at the JOMT Podcast on Twitter. I responded to your saying, saying that Tom Bosley or Ron Howard could be creepy and menacing. <laughs> um, Victor Buono and Henry, Henry Silva would have been good 70s ones. Those would have been amazing. Victor Buono would have been incredible back then. Um, this one, I, I would never have thought of this million years. Saul Rubinek in the 90s. Yes. That guy, I'm surprised he wasn't. Wow. Uh, Saul Rubinek would have been incredible. Uh, Franken Parrot on Twitter said he thought about Jack Webb. Maybe offing an untouchable crooked cop or something like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, Tardis Tavern on Twitter said Vincent Price as a museum creator curator who hides his victim's body by wrapping it up like a mummy and putting it on display. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or for an episode from the 90s, Patrick Stewart as a kindly priest who resorts to murder. Uh, think any old port in a church, which that's actually a really oh, solid... That that's a solid idea for an episode. He's even got the title. I'm giving a round of applause for that. that that's, is. yes. Um, the Alex, the the uh, the Alex Knapp, uh, former guest of ours, uh, he said uh, if they revive it, John Hamm should be the murderer, which I could yeah, see that. Um, and actually, uh, uh, Lee Beaton, also a, a recent guest of ours, he also picked John Hamm. Um, Al, Mc, Al McPherson, uh, who did our uh, the uh, Lose Your Dan episode. I thought. I thought you were going to say past guest Elle McPherson. I was like, I didn't. <laughs> oh know yes, that. well she was. We, we got that one coming up. We're putting that one up to yours. Um, Elle McPherson. Uh, he's a classic era, and he's got like an entire um, uh, plots for these seventies. Uh, the eleventh step is the name of the episode. Richard Roundtree runs a VA official mission to help vets recover from addiction. In comes his former CEO, a man whose war profiteering led to the deaths of Roundtree's comrades in arms. Revenge is served in a dirty shot glass, and it's up to Columbo to put a stopper <laughs> in this bottle of murder. Oh, he's doing our shtick. He's doing the description. I know. It's great. Uh, for 90s one, it's Murder Strikes Out. Corey oh. Feldman is a pro-am bowler on the cusp of hitting the big time when he learns his sponsor is planning to convert his chain of bowling alleys to Candlepin. Alan's from... Uh, Canada. Feldman resorts to murder to save a shot of fame, but with Columbo in the case, will he be spared or wind up in the gutter? Note, this would be a much hated episode, except for the 15-minute scene of Falk trying on bowling shoes. <laughs> uh, Carolina Johnson, uh, another guest of ours from the past, um, took a different sp uh, spin on it. Um, and Mr. Rogers, playing a Glenn Gould pianist type who murders his agent-slash-lover, played in a brief cameo by a very likable Ingrid Bergman for refusing to let him out of his two-year contract and he decides he doesn't want to perform in public anymore in favor of starting a goat farm and Socrates with his new lover an erotic and inverted passionate radar from MASH. <laughs> for this episode, the Columbo role will be played by Red Fox as a straight actor, not reprising his Sanford and Son persona in any way. Or she suggested an 80s Columbo with Courtney Love as a female Columbo investigating the murder by Macaulay Culkin, who is e less evil but more clever inventor twin, to take place at MIT straight out of the 8th grade. I like that. Um, it's, a, it's a shame really in the 90s they never uh, they missed the trick and not by not getting Fred Savage to do young Columbo. Oh, there we go. That actually would have worked pretty well. 
Uh, uh, St. Fu, a commenter of ours on the site, said it's a shame that James Gardner never played a Colombo murderer. He could have been a famous race car driver and co-owner of a chain of car dealerships who murders his partner. That's actually a great idea. Yeah. And this one, this this actually might be one where I, another one like uh, where I'm very surprised this didn't happen. Uh, another commenter to the site, uh, Shana Meseladar, uh, it's just that Gary Cole was working in the 90s. I think he's made a good Columbo murderer. He's very good at portraying characters whose superficial charm conceals profound sleaziness. Yeah, Gary Cole would have been amazing at this. I can imagine Gary Cole doing the thing where he's trying to, like, over-explain to Columbo. Like, here's what I think happened with yeah. the murder. I could totally see him doing that kind of deal. But um, So thank you, folks, for sending those in. And yeah, please keep with those because yeah, that, those are some good ideas. And uh, yeah, we like. I, know. Uh, I was surprised those. not to hear Tom Selleck on that list. Oh, Tom Selleck, actually. Or Ted Danson. You know, what? I can see Ted Danson more in Tom Selleck. Actually, yeah, yeah. T- definitely in a definitely in a remake. Like if they do a modern day, Ted Danson has got some real gravitas these days. Ted Danson yeah. could be really, really good as a Columbo villain. Yeah, so like really, which, it be like play a character similar Ted to. Danson. Oh, played sorry. a character called Becca, who's a d- mean <laughs> and uh, grumpy doctor who happens to kill one of his patients. Actually, have you folks? I if you've gotten it over there, the uh, the board to death show with he and Zach Galifianakis and uh, Jason Schwartzman. I can see like a uh, uh, Ted Danson playing a character like his character on Board to Death, like this kind of really rich New it, York publisher guy who uh, just kind of kills someone and can't deal with this Columbo fellow. I don't know. Well, thank you uh, for, for doing the show. What a segue. Um, I loved, loved it. So, well, thank you. And, and if, if folks uh, want to see where you're performing next, uh, where our next podcasts are going to be uh, put up, uh, where should they go on the internet to uh, find out that sort of stuff? Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for having me on. This has been an absolute treat and pleasure for me. Uh, if, if anybody uh, is interested in following me, they can follow me on Twitter at Rich Masara. That's M-A-S-S-A-R-A. Okay. Um, but I also do a podcast with a, a fellow comedian uh, who's from your side of the pond uh, called Kate McCabe. I saw now, this, you, yes. Yeah, you guys, you guys do a, a podcast about Columbo. And I do a podcast uh, about the freemium game, The Simpsons Tapped Out. Yes, I saw. <laughs> I, I heard about. I saw this. I heard a bit of it too. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, if you thought you had a niche podcast, and a niche <laughs> audience, you you guys are amateurs when it comes to finding a niche audience. I say I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying this uh, weird uh, Monsanto uh, thing they're doing lately. Like they are you a, are you a player, RJ? Oh yeah, I play the thing. I've been playing the thing for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I enjoy the I enjoy the game. It's neat. Add me as a, add, add, add me as a friend, and uh, I'll right. visit your Springfield, well, and you can get some XP from I friendship about, points I from think me. About that. Uh, what's your name on there? Hey, internet. Uh, Actually, anybody listening to the show who who yeah. uh, who do uh, plays the Simpsons game, uh, listen up now. You can add uh, yeah. either one. First, you go first. Okay, you can add me. Uh, I am Ruju69, R O O J O O 69 or you can add our podcast, uh, uh, Springfield, which is Skyfinger Pod. Oh, you have one for your podcast. Jeez. Yeah, we're building a town together. The, 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 oh, uh, that's the actually po- not a bad idea. I know. The podcast is called the Skyfinger Podcast. You can find it on iTunes or skyfinger.podomatic.com. Uh, so please subscribe, rate it, uh, do all the usual things to boost us up the rankings. And and if uh, if you want to uh, add me on your little Simpsons uh, little uh, internet telephone game thing there, I'm RJ White three thousand. RJ White three thousand. RJ White three thousand. So add me there. That's, that Finally sounds like a there. robot that would have been used in a Columbo episode. To yeah, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's, it's it's the robot at the uh, the institute that John hates. Yeah, it's, the Robbie uh, the robot. Yeah, it's about time we we finally improved on RJ. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the 2000 model. Yeah, you kind of uh, drank too much. So, yeah. Um, are you the liquid metal, RJ, then? The RJ 3000? Yeah, liquid something. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> I wondered what that liquid noise with the ice cubes in I could hear it was, but now I know. Mostly water tonight, unfortunately, but yes. Uh, um, but yes, thank you again very much for being on the program. Thank you for having me, guys. And uh, uh, thank Huge you. Fun. Folks, oh, oh, that's nice. Thank you. So very kind of you. Yes, blood. and we will be bothering you again for this. I am sure. Please um, do, please. Anytime you want me back, 
I will come back. And it'll be at 1 a.m. again. Um, so, yes. I, I, I can't believe we've only done an hour. I want to talk about this more. I'm going to go wake up my house. There's mate. a lot of other episodes. Don't worry. We'll do this. Um, <laughs> I hope so, guys. Thank you. Yeah, let's keep in mind there's still a William Shatner episode out there. Yeah, we got one oh, more to go. Oh, um, can I give a quick shout-out uh, sure. to a friend of mine? I just want to say hello to Batman Knickers, who'll be listening. Batman Spell Knickers, nice. okay. Batman yes. Knickers, yeah. Thank, thank you for listening, Batman Knickers. <laughs> that's a is that their is that their legal name? Could you do that over in Britain? That's, I, if, that's I, fascinating. If you can, it was a family podcast. I don't want to get into. Uh, oh into sure, I don't, of course, understand. I went to <laughs> I went to school with a Shelley Batman Knickers. Any relation? <laughs> oh wait, is that is that, is that, is that the, uh, the is that the East Neck Batman Knickers? <laughs> right, uh, I was in Connecticut. I uh, oh, the Connecticut branch. <laughs> <sighs> the name used to be Batman Knickers House, but they changed. Oh it well, of course you have to. It's just yeah, it's un- <laughs> otherwise you don't really get jobs. Um, <laughs> all right, well, uh, thank you, folks, for listening to the show. Uh, if you'll listen to other episodes of Just One More Thing, uh, new or old, you can go to our website, thecitydesk.net. Just one more slash Just One More Thing, or we're there in the uh, podcast section of iTunes in the TV and film department. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at J-O-M-T Podcast. Uh, we are also on Tumblr, where uh, John posts all kinds of screen caps and other things we find on there. That's uh, Colum... Was it? <laughs> it's Team Columbo. Team Columbo, yeah. Team Columbo. Uh, .tumblr.com. <laughs> I ran out of steam. You'd up. think it was 1 a.m. here in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, TeamColumbo.tumblr.com. And, uh, yeah, if you want to send us more of your ideas for other people who should have been murderers in the 70s or 90s on Columbo, uh, leave comments on the site or send them to us or any other comments you have uh, to Columbo at thecitydesk.net. That's the program for this time around. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Thank you. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Susie. I tried Esalen Primal Screen Pyramid Power Synanon, a black mass in San Francisco, open marriage, est, T-A-T-M, I'm okay, you're okay, and I'm still a target.